Welcome to the Christ Walk Podcast. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Enjoy the message. As I mentioned before, it is Palm Sunday, and the thing that we celebrate on Palm Sunday is called the Triumphal Entry. And so um, there's a recording of the Triumphal Entry actually in all four of the Gospels. And in case you're unaware, the Bible is divided up into these two large sections of scripture. You've got the Old Testament towards the front of the Bible. You've got the New Testament towards the back of the Bible. And the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we refer to those as the gospel because gospel means good news. And so those books in particular are good news because they tell of the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so this story of the triumphal entry, it's recorded from a slightly different perspective in all four of those books. But for our purposes today, we're going to take a look at the accounts from the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. So you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to take a look at verses 1 through 11, followed by Luke chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 28 through 44 together. So starting with Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, and then I'm just going to go ahead and read Luke's account right after that before we jump into today's message. So Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, my Bible reads this way. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. Verse 3. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt. And he sat on it. And most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. Verse 9. Jesus was in the center of the procession. And the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in his highest heaven. Verse 10. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And now the account from the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 19, starting with verse 28, says, After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. And as he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them, and as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Verse 31, If anyone asks, Why are you untying that colt? Just say, The Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. 
And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for the wonderful miracles that they had seen. Verse 38. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Verse 41. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. Verse 44, they will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. You know, throughout the Gospels, we see time and time again that that Jesus tried to avoid the crowds. He wanted to stay out of the spotlight. He would tell people, even when they had been healed and and experienced an incredible miracle, he'd tell them to keep silent, to tell no one. It's over the three years of his ministry that, that he really didn't allow any public recognition at all whatsoever, but, but this time was different. And I believe that the reasons for and the declarations of the triumphal entry speak directly to the situation that you and I find ourselves in today. So for the next few minutes, I want us to take a look at this story or these accounts of the triumphal entry and pull out some of the principles that we can glean from them to apply them to our own lives in terms of the reasons behind the triumphal entry and and what it tells us about the character, the nature, and who Jesus himself was. And so if you're taking notes and you want to write this down, I'm titling this In the Middle of the Mess. In the Middle of the Mess. So let's first start by talking about two reasons for the triumphal entry. Two reasons for the triumphal entry. And the, the first one of these is, is it's foundational to what is going on here. And it's, it's one of the most important reasons why Jesus allowed this public declaration and, and um, all this spectacle to take place. And that was because he wanted to fulfill prophecy. He wanted to fulfill prophecy. Um, it points us back, and, and you, you heard it um, there in those gospel accounts. It points us back all the way to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where it says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble. He's riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And so Jesus entering into the city, riding on this colt of a donkey was first and foremost to fulfill Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah, the king who was coming. And then the second, the second reason behind it is, is that Jesus wanted to force the hand of the religious leaders. 
See, the religious leaders, they had decided that they wanted to wait until after the Passover when less people would be around because there was an estimated 2 million more people in Jerusalem at this time for the Passover celebration. So in the midst of, of, all, of the, uh, all of the tension and, and the, the government tension, the religious tension that was already taking place, they decided rather than create this, this tumultuous upheaval in the midst of this Passover celebration, why don't we wait until it's over and people have gone back home and then kind of under the, the cloak of secrecy, we can arrest Jesus and, and we can take care of this problem. In fact, they had tried in the past, we have several gospel accounts where they had tried to arrest and ultimately have Jesus killed before. But the Bible tells us that, that it was at that time that, that Jesus' time had not yet come. But now was the time. And it goes to show that at this moment, the religious leaders, even though they thought they were, they were not the ones calling the shots. That even in his death, Jesus was large and in charge. And so he, he allowed this triumphal entry, this celebration to take place so that he could force the religious leader's hand and bring it to a point where he would be sacrificed as the Messiah on the cross for the sin of the world during this Passover celebration. So those are the two reasons behind it. And, and as we explore these reasons a little bit further, we, we discover when we look at this story, not only are there reasons behind it, but there's also declarations that Jesus makes about himself in the middle of this triumphal entry. So there's three of them that I'd like to point out today. So if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to continue to, to write this down. Um, three declarations Jesus makes in the triumphal entry or the three declarations of the triumphal entry. And the first one is this, is that Jesus declared that he was the king of kings. Jesus declared that he was the king of kings. And the key word that goes along with this declaration is authority authority Jesus declared that he was the king of kings and it showed everyone his authority see the the people as Jesus was entering into the city the people they they spread palm branches and, and garments down in his path and this was a symbol of his victory and power and it was commonplace for the people to do this as they welcomed a king into their city or into their town and the crowd they attributed to him the title of son of David, pointing back to, up to this point, Israel's mightiest king. And they, they recognized his lineage, that he was from the house of David. And, and even though they, they may not have fully known or comprehended what they were saying, they were still declaring that he was the son of David, that it, it was showing his royal line and, and who he was and the throne that he had come to claim. And what's beyond this is that Jesus, he, he rode into town on a donkey. And you know, you and I, in these modern times, we think of a donkey as kind of maybe a weird animal. It's a, it's a beast of burden. And it seems a little bit strange for Jesus to be riding into town as a king, displaying his authority on the back of a donkey. But in those times, a donkey was used to transport royal nobility. And you can go all the way back to 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 33. And there it's revealed to us 
beginning there, and then it shows in several other places in the Old Testament that the kings, they would ride on these donkeys. And so it was a symbol of his, his royalty that he was riding on this donkey. It's important to note that this wasn't just any donkey. This was a colt that had never been ridden. Maybe you caught that from the account that we read earlier. It was was a a donkey that had never been ridden, a a colt along with its mother, and Jesus rode on the colt. Yet in the midst of all this, despite the fact that this colt had never been ridden, and you know, you've heard this saying, stubborn as a mule. You know how donkeys can be. But yet Jesus, he maintains complete control over the situation, even though he's riding upon the back of this stubborn mule that's never been ridden. It doesn't know what it's like to have someone ride on its back. It doesn't know the expectations of what it's supposed to do. Yet Jesus maintains complete authority, complete control over the entire situation. And the symbolism here is that, that Jesus is the sovereign king of kings and that all things will submit to him his control, and to his authority. So first and foremost, the triumphal entry declares of Jesus that he is the king of kings. Number two, the triumphal entry is where Jesus declared that he was not only the king of kings, but he was also the prince of peace. Jesus declares that he is the prince of peace. And the key word here, obviously, is peace. See, the donkey that he rode on that day, it wasn't just a symbol of royalty. See, in those days when a king rode a horse, it was symbolic that he was going out to war. But when a king rode a donkey, it was a symbol of peace. In fact, peace is a major theme of the triumphal entry. Matthew's account of the story tells us that the city was in an uproar. And one translation uses the word turmoil, which I really like. Yet here comes Jesus riding on a donkey, the symbol for peace in the middle of the mess. Matthew says that he was, he was in the center of the procession of everything that was going on, this uproar that was taking place. Jesus There he is, King Jesus on this symbol for peace, right in the middle of all the madness and the chaos and the turmoil. And see, 33 years earlier, Jesus entered into the world under the banner of peace. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, the heavenly host proclaimed at his birth, they said, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those in whom God is pleased. But yet, despite the fact that he entered into the world under the banner of peace, the world rejected him. And therefore, there is no peace on earth. That's why in Luke's account, he tells us that Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. That He knew that the people that day, that they would be face to face with the very embodiment of peace, but they would not be able to recognize him and therefore embrace peace for their own lives. And instead, he foresaw the things that were yet to come, and it made him sad on behalf of the people. And so he cried that day because they wouldn't be able to fully understand and welcome peace into their hearts and into their lives. So Jesus instead, since there can't be peace on earth, instead he comes now to offer peace in heaven. 
The peace that is found when our hearts are made right with God the Father. That's why the people said, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Peace on earth, it was unattainable because the people, they'd rejected the Messiah. They, they had rejected Jesus as the Prince of Peace. They turned their back on him. They hadn't recognized him in the fullness of who he truly was. But Jesus instead comes to establish peace in the heavenly realms by giving you and me the opportunity to have our right, our, our, our hearts made right before God the Father. And through the triumphal entry, he establishes himself as the Prince of Peace. So first, he declares that he is the King of Kings, shows his authority. Second, he declares that he is the Prince of Peace and shows the peace that he came to bring, not on earth, but heavenly peace. And then third and finally, Jesus declares at the triumphal entry that he is the Messiah. Jesus declares that he is the Messiah. And the key word here is salvation. Salvation. See, as the word began to spread about Jesus, that he was coming into the city. People came from all over the place and, and, and they began to line the road and create this public processional for Jesus to walk through. And, and some in the crowd that day, they had seen with their own eyes Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. Others had heard tell of the miracles and wonders that he displayed during his earthly ministry. And still others were there just to experience the spectacle that was taking place. They didn't know much about Jesus. And so that's why they were asking these questions. Who, who is this guy that we're welcoming in as this king? That he's riding on a donkey, the symbol of peace, and that we're laying down branches and garments. Who, who is this man? And people responded, it's the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And so it was during this time that the crowd began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. And this is a word that we throw around often, especially here on Palm Sunday. And the crowd began to proclaim, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And, and this is a reference all the way back to a messianic psalm of, of Psalm 118. It's, it's a psalm that, that attributes uh, certain characteristics and, and, and gives some guidelines and some prophecy about the coming Messiah. And so this, this word Hosanna, it fulfills some of those prophecies from Psalm 118. And this word Hosanna, it literally means save now or, or please save us. That the people were crying out for, for Jesus to save them now. They were expecting Jesus to come in and save them from the oppression of the Roman government of the day and, and to overturn that and establish a new regime through an earthly kingdom. And it's also important to note that Jesus came into the city in maybe a unique way, not just on a donkey walking on these palm branches, but Jesus entered the city on, on this day in a way that he'd never entered the city before. Based on the accounts that we have from the Gospels, we can figure out that, that Jesus approached the city from the east. He was coming down from the Mount of Olives. We're, we're told that he came through the towns of, of Bethany and Bethpage. 
which are on the eastern side, and it was from that, that vantage point that he could have looked over the city. So he saw the city, and he's weeping for them. And, and so he would have entered into the city through the east gate, or today it's, it's sometimes called the golden gate. And see, this was unique um, because this gate is the gate that, according to Jewish tradition, it's the gate that the Messiah would enter the city through. And, and it's believed that Jesus, up to this point, that he'd never entered the city through this gate until now. That most people think that he would typically enter through what is known as the sheep gate. And, and it was the gate that was used to, to transport the, the, um, the sacrificial lambs and, and animals that would be taken to the temple to offer as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And Jesus would typically come and go inconspicuously through that sheep gate where the animals would be brought for the temple sacrifice. But this time... Jesus entered the city publicly and to great fanfare as a royal figure riding upon the symbol of peace to the cries of Hosanna, God save us now. See, on, on Palm Sunday, Jesus didn't enter the city through the sheep gate with the sacrifice. Instead, he entered through the east gate as the sacrifice, declaring himself to be the one that the prophets had foretold, that he was the Messiah. Yes, on, on that day, he did, in fact, come to save, but not in the way the people thought that he would. See, he wasn't there to overturn the oppression of the Roman government. He wasn't there to establish an earthly kingdom, but instead, he entered through the gate that day to overturn the power of sin and to establish a heavenly kingdom that would last for all of eternity. And if you visit Jerusalem today, you'll notice something rather interesting about the East Gate. It's been sealed shut. You can't access the city through this gate that, that years ago, um, Muslim authorities had this gate sealed off. It was walled up with thick cement. It was closed off. And so you can no longer enter the city. And see, their belief is that if there's no gate to enter, then the Messiah can't come into the city. And to add to their attempt to keep the Messiah from coming in, they placed a cemetery at the mouth of the gate adjacent to the city walls, knowing that as a Jewish uh, rabbi or priest that, that the Messiah would not be able to come through a cemetery according to Jewish law and tradition. But little did they know that they were too late that Jesus, the Messiah, he had already entered into the city through that gate. And what's more, he's going to enter through that gate another time when he comes back on the day of his return. Zechariah 14 verse 4 says, On that day, talking about the day of Jesus' return, on that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. Half the mountain will move towards the north and half toward the south. Here's what I came to tell somebody today. Jesus is 
coming back. And when he touches down on the Mount of Olives, there is going to be an earthquake that is going to split the valley wide open, taking that cemetery with it and crumbling the wall that is sealing the eastern gate. And having made a way, Jesus will once again, as the Messiah, walk through that gate. But this time, it's not going to be on a donkey of peace. It's going to be on a white horse of war. And with it, he's going to trample over death. He's going to break down every stronghold. And once and for all, he is going to conquer sin as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And on that day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and his authority and his peace and his salvation will be on full display. And so the message of Palm Sunday is simply this, that Jesus is willing to get in the middle of our mess. And when he does, he's going to bring authority. He's going to bring peace and he is going to bring salvation to you and to me. It doesn't take much to look around the world today, the situation that we find ourselves in. And and I would say that it's a lot like the time of the triumphal entry, that that the city around us, the, the country around us, the world around us is in upheaval, in the midst of turmoil and chaos, in an uproar because of this situation with the coronavirus. So maybe you find yourself in that situation too. Maybe maybe you are in a place of turmoil and uproar today. I want to invite you. I want to encourage you. Let the Messiah in. He wants to come. He wants to get right in the middle of your mess. And he wants to bring authority. He wants to bring peace. And most of all, he wants to bring you salvation today. So the question is, Which of those areas do you need to welcome him into your life today? Maybe you've been trying to walk through this season in your own strength. Maybe you've been trying to control everything according to your own power. If that's you, then you need to let the king of kings step in and take charge. And instead, you start depending on his authority and resting in his strength, his power today. Maybe you've allowed your current situation to send you spinning into chaos and turmoil. If, if that's you, you need to allow the Prince of Peace to come in and quiet your mind and calm your fears. Maybe you've been looking to outside sources for help and hope and salvation in the midst of this season. Up to this point, perhaps you've come up empty. Well, instead today, you need to look to Jesus Christ The Messiah is the God who has come to save. If that's you today and you realize that you are a sinner in need of a savior, I'd like to invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus came to die in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose today to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Father, this morning, I pray for those that are trying to walk through this season in their own strength. They're trying to control the situation with 
their own power. I pray that today they would surrender to the authority of you, the King of Kings. Lord, today I pray for those whose lives are spinning out of control. They find themselves in the middle of chaos and turmoil. Lord, I pray that that they would welcome in the Prince of Peace to steady their heart, to quiet their mind, to calm their fears. Lord, today I I pray that, that we would all look to Jesus as the source of our salvation and that we would welcome him into the middle of our mess. God, we lift up our government leaders, Lord, and we pray that you would grant them wisdom as they make decisions on our behalf. Lord, I pray for protection for those that are on the front lines, healthcare professionals, first responders, grocers, and the like. Lord, I pray for those that are, that are sick, Lord, that you would bring healing to their bodies, supernatural healing to their bodies today in Jesus' name. And I pray for a complete and total eradication of COVID-19, the coronavirus. Lord, I pray that an effective vaccine would be developed quickly and that it would be made readily available worldwide. Lord, I pray for the protection of the people of our church. Lord, I ask that you would bless their families. I pray that as we enter into this holy week together, that we would open our homes and we would open our hearts and that we would welcome Jesus, the Messiah, into the middle of our messes. God, we pray that your son would move in our lives and that would draw us closer to him more than ever before through this season. And God, we ask all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Guys, I want to thank you so much for being here today. It has been awesome being together with you all. Uh, Just a reminder, we've curated some playlists for you to worship with your family at home. Uh, We've got one on Spotify. We've got one on YouTube. And I want to encourage you to take advantage of that, not just today, but ongoing throughout your week, particularly during this holy week. And you can also continue to worship uh, through the returning of God's tithe and the giving of your offerings. Um, You can do that online at give.thechristwalk.com or you can simply uh, text uh, any amount via 84321 if you'd like to give that way. Uh, There's a, a short setup process the very first time you do it, but after that, it's the quickest and it's the easiest way to give. And then just a reminder, you can find all of the details on how to stay connected with us during this season of social distancing at thechristwalk.com forward slash connect. There you'll find our schedule for Holy Week. There, um, there are links to the playlist that I mentioned for you to worship at home. Um, there's video curriculum and lessons there for your kids to take advantage of. Um, You can submit a prayer request or even send an email to our staff should you have a question or need further assistance. Um, And if you're new to Christ Walk, I want to say thanks for joining us. Um, There's also a place there at thechristwalk.com forward slash connect where you can fill out a brief connect card to let us know a little bit more about you and help us to connect with you even further. I want to encourage you, um, especially over the course of this week and in the weeks to come, to uh, stay uh, in contact with our Facebook page and our Instagram page for continued updates and um, points of interaction throughout the week. 
I want you to know that I love you. I'm praying for you and I'm believing God's best for you. Because of Jesus, the best is still yet to come. And I'm looking forward to being with you as we celebrate Maundy Thursday, this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. Have a great week. I'll see you then. I love you guys. Thank you for joining us. We hope you were inspired by the message. For more information, visit www.thechristwalk.com.